delegados de la Cámara de Diputados. Este proceso, según versiones tanto de Jesús Ortega como de Demetrio Sodi, incluso de la senadora Pino. Massachusetts, two men created one of the most legendary horror films of all time. Shot on video, this movie was lost in a sea of VHS horror. But now, it lives. The killer refrigerator lives. Death by DVD proudly presents Death by Fridge. An exclusive discussion with Mark Vaux and Michael Savino, the gentlemen behind Attack of the Killer Refrigerator. This is Death by DVD, and you are listening to Harry Scott Sullivan, your host. With me, I've got two very, very special guests for this episode. These gentlemen are responsible for one of the most legendary, sought-after 80s cult horror titles of all time, and they are here to tell us some killer stories, and tell us about the blood-soaked sequel that's coming soon. I'd proudly like to welcome to our Dead Studio audience, Mark Vaux and Michael Savino, the creators, writers, producers, stars of Attack of the Killer Refrigerator. Thank you guys both so much for being here. Harry, it's an absolute uh, joy to be here with you, and uh, thank you so much for your time. We, we, I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's really, really exciting to guys have you on. Attack of the Killer Refrigerator is 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 beyond legendary. I think in all cult circles, beyond tape trading, it's something you've heard about. You hear about Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento movies, and you start really going down the rabbit hole, and you'll find things like Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, which was nearly impossible to get a hold of, to ever see until recently. And now there's a wonderful Blu-ray with, beyond that, multiple other films that both of you guys worked on and created together in the last 30 years or so mm-hmm. uh, through Terror Visions. Very, very affordable, too. I think it's like 25 bucks. Beautiful. And now you are preparing Attack of the Killer Refrigerator 2. Well, Terror Vision did a great job on the Blu-ray, I must say. If you got the slipcover version, I think there's, uh, there's some left. Um it's amazing you know it's well done good quality um we packed the dvd filled with cool specials behind the scenes features uh, we did a whole program mark and i called media house defrosted where we pick through all the films and it's really a great 
little piece for inspire uh, young indie filmmakers, old indie filmmakers to get a little jolt to get your project done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and on that uh, uh, Blu-ray too, Harry, as you know, is a documentary that was done uh, called Snapper, the man-eating turtle movie that never got made. We were working on it in film, by the way. We did shoot that in 16 millimeter back in uh, 89, 1990. And like what Michael just said, we didn't realize the um, sort of the, the, the effect that watching something like what we've created with that and what John Campapiano and David Bigelow created with the documentary, the Snapper documentary. So it really does pump you up if you're going to uh, venture out on your indie film adventure. They call it at some points a niche market when it comes to physical media collecting, and I definitely understand that it's somewhat of a dying art. I'm I'm a big I'm big Vinegar Syndrome collector. I'm a subscriber. I I worship that company, and they're very few and far in between. And something like Terror Vision is very similar to them. I love the fact that they find these classics that are completely unavailable. This is one of the most rare VHS, Attack of the mm. Killer Refrigerator, that is. I mean, you, you actually have to have a fat stack of cash to get yourself that original <laughs> to be a fan of this mo a movie and be a completionist collector. And being able to get it now, being able to have this audience that n was never there before, because there's such a, a market that's very bizarre now where people... Might not have ever been horror fans, but they're very interested in seeing almost lost art and seeing people that went out independently before you could. I mean, because independent films now are $20 million budgets and Attack of the Killer Refrigerator is a $25 movie. And yeah. here it is still this many years later, probably doubling more than it ever made in the first place. Mm -hmm. But it's it's alive. So it's a really kind of like a hat off to the community that they call this niche market that is, is really bringing back and letting these films live. And the artists, like both of you, get to talk about it. You get to, to, to tell people these stories. And I'm sure maybe some of the stuff we'll talk about on this episode may be on some of the special features, but still, it's, it's just sharing that art, and it's exciting that it lives again. It helps that the movie is, is just so deviously, it's short, but it's just kind of perfect for its runtime of an inanimate object killing people, and you can't really get better than it. It's a killer fridge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, when it first came out, you know, it was compared to regular feature-length movies. You know, our, our re review in Variety that, that the D, uh, VHS received you know, um, didn't wasn't too good. It was okay, but um, as I look at it today, and as I take it into a different perspective, and all the history that it's gone through, um, it actually looks pretty good. The special effects are okay. You know, they work. Um, the acting could be better. Mark and I, you know, doing <laughs> our thing. Um, but in the long run. The, all these many years now, it is entertaining, I will say, you know, um, and it definitely um, leads into a wonderful sequel, you know, it really does. But making it for $25 was, it never was supposed to leave the college campus where we made it. We had a closed circuit TV station, pop a VCA, VHS tape in, play it have the kids laugh and take it out and put in a tape of music videos. I mean, it was just like, you know, part of the programming that we had. Um, and then we, during our premiere, this was during the VHS craze, uh, an owner of a chain of video stores in our, in our area came up to me and said, Hey, uh, I'd like to rent it. 
and Mark and I made up these box covers and glued them and taped them together and colored them by hand in certain sections. But then they went out and they were rented and rented and, you know, it was kind of fun. I mean, this is when there were video stores on every, almost on every corner so that you, you could walk to them or drive to them easily. A little yeah. bit way before Blockbuster was out. And, uh, but the Donna Michelle people, they really, you know, they did it nice. Uh, you know, we didn't, we did make the $25 back. I will agree to that. <laughs> um, and I had a nice trip to Vegas to meet the crew. And this is how I met Michael. And then Mark followed up during the premiere. And on the DVD, there's actual footage of the booth where the killer fridge, he had a refrigerator in his booth and there's some body parts hanging out. And Linnea, Linnea Quigley was there. I'm Linnea and I like death by DVD. It's a statement. Linnea Quigley was there. She had a bunch of killer fridge patches on her. And yeah. um, it was a really interesting time in the in the early 90s to go to those types of shows. I mean, you'd meet stars. They'd be in every other booth. You know, it was really fun. It's a lot of fun. At the time of the recording of this episode in in late March, the Blu-ray is at like 700 copies, and it was 2,000 only, so it's it's moving. It definitely has an audience, and I think it's beyond people that just – heard about it and wanted to see it because it's in in cult circles it is such a stoner classic basement movie Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, according to IMDb, says it's 1990, but you guys began shooting this as early as 1984, 1985, and it wasn't really a, a, a sitting down, let's make a movie thing, but you guys were filming your parties that you were throwing. Yeah, exactly, and that's what we did. That The Killer Refrigerator was Frankenstein together, literally, from other footage that we shot. You mentioned the parties, Harry. The parties, we shot everything. You know you know how people do with your phones now, except the difference was Michael's got a deck off to the side, and he's holding a camera that probably weighed about 25, 30 pounds on his shoulder and going around. We just did. So the creating of the content back then was the same, but the equipment wasn't. The gear wasn't. So you could pull out your phone and, and do some cool stuff, right? Way better than what we had. But at that time, that's what we had. So we did that. And when it came time to actually piece a story surrounding the killer refrigerator uh, and doing what and what it, what it does, um, we used footage from other projects that we were working on or just footage we had laying around. And uh, we integrated that into the final uh, edit and the, and, and the final mix. In fact, there is one character, his name is Scott Parent. He was a, um, a classmate of ours, always hung around the house, and he calls it the killer refrigerator in the movie, in the party scene, um, because that's what we called it before we even started piecing together a cohesive uh, storyline, which was made up on the fly. You know, it's, it's uh, I know you got the script for two. We'll talk about that coming up, but we've... <laughs> up to our game with screenplays and stuff over these last 35, 40 years 
um, because that's the most integral part of anything. You know, what's the most important part of filmmaking? It's obviously the story and certainly the screenplay. That's that's the most important. So back then we just did it on the fly. And again, Michael brought it up earlier. It was supposed to live and die at Worcester State, run on the TV station, maybe in the college bar when colleges had bars back in the 80s. And, and that was it. So, you know, for this to happen. And there was one other thing you brought up earlier, inanimate objects. Watch Mojo calls it the seventh out of the 10 most incredible inanimate killer objects in movies. Um, and there's a huge piece that we're running right now on that. And they really did a nice job with that little trailer. Yeah, they sure did. I really did. liked it. You know, sometimes seeing somebody else's work of your work is really refreshing. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really refreshed. But Mark, just to add to that point, remember, we use this stuff for content on a TV station. So there's right. actually like a 26 second, maybe less version of the killer refrigerator. The first one, yeah. Right. That we would use as what we call a bumper in TV, where it would just play between different pieces. And we would run this buffer. At the end of it, we'd tag on the station logo and boom, on to the next piece of programming, which was probably a music video of some sort. Um, but that's how it started. It was just a 20-second little thing. The killer refrigerator was born at our kitchen table. We're sitting around talking. Um, and I think we were even actually having dinner. And all of a sudden, boom clicked on and we looked That's what at each other like, yeah. and boom the killer fridge and then we created that little small one and then during the parties you'll hear them hey the killer fridge stay back the smoke activates its eating devices yes I mean, that's a <laughs> it was all you know it was all there that's what we called it you know and um it became famous after a while for people that would come in especially after they saw the the premiere of the movie um, which we had a lot of fun with, you know, that was, that was all that we wanted to laugh at, you know, the movie with our friends yeah, and, yeah. you know. And then what happened was a uh, college professor that we had at the time suggested that we enter it into a video competition. It was the 1985 Argus national video competition from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Harry. And so we sent the VHS off. What was it? 20 bucks entry fee or something, Michael. Yeah. And, and lo and behold, a couple months goes by, we get a tape back, a check for 65 bucks and a plaque that said <laughs> worst video of the year, attack of the killer refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and that was better than winning an Oscar at that time. We were like, can you believe this? And then the next thing, you know, um, a newspaper did an article on it and, um, and then other newspapers back then there was no internet, you know, um, and then another newspaper around the area. And it kind of just started generating this media buzz, which, uh, with the advent of the internet and social media has carried on now for nearly 40 years. Yeah. It was a movie that you could hear about and you would hear people talk about. And, uh, when I was a lot younger and was, was more avid into tape collecting and wanted to have a completionist collection, it was a film I constantly wanted to see and, and had never had that you had heard things about it. And there's a lot of genre films that were, especially in the 80s and 90s, people would tell you about, and you would you would learn this lurid legacy about these movies, and finally the Blu-ray would come along, and they would just be some of the worst things you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. But Attack of the Killer Refrigerator beats most of those problems because of its incredibly tight runtime, but while you're watching it, it's not that it's uh, it's weird saying it's relatable, but if you've ever had a, a Friday night party in your 20s with your friends, it's very easy to 
immediately put yourself into the mindset, this is how this movie was made. This was made with some of the most absolute love and fun. And it becomes passionable at that point that this is, you know, I'm going to get all my friends together and have a party movie and relive that sort of thing. And it, it getting a new future is sort of amazing with the fact that it's it's been blown up and it's from the uh, what did they use the negatives to clean up the uh, the original film? I mean, there's not really a negative for <laughs> no. Well, it was created on VHS, but it yes. came literally from the master VHS. The only thing that's different was there was one music change that was done years ago, but somehow got onto the internet, and I don't know how it did. But during our premieres, we had a piece of copyrighted music that I had to remove. Um, and then buy a cut to put in instead. But other than that, it is original to the core. And um, even with the misspellings, I did fix that at one point, but I, I left it as the misspelling of the title, which wasn't really a misspelling. It was more of a combination that we had. We decided to mix both together. Yeah, because fridge has a D and refrigerator doesn't. But I believe in the UK, they use a D. I could be wrong. But that but, uh, movie... Go ahead, Marcus. No, I just that's part of the charm of it, Harry, right? Oh, it is definitely. But the thing about the, the Blu ray, which I think people will really enjoy, is that during the Media House Defrosted section, I went through and I found B roll, cuts, slate work, alternate takes, there's bloopers, there's all kinds of new material that has never been released, never. including the Hook of Woodland Heights. Mark and I originally started shooting that when we were at in college again later on and we shot it up at this building at Worcester State and then we abandoned it because we didn't like the way Bob's hook looked but we have all that footage on there with some scenes cut together it's a little glitchy but um it's that's that was the the, the style of the tape back then you just didn't know if you're going to get a hit or not, you know, that's why we did things two and three times, which we didn't do in, in any of the movies, except for the hook. We did do a lot of takes, but there's such cool stuff in there that I think people will enjoy. And like I said, it inspires the independent filmmaker to, um, to make their film. You know? mm -hmm. There's a quote saying, you know, it, it talks about music, but you could certainly relate it to film and filmmaking that uh, what else is music for but to evoke emotion and inspire? I mean, that's the only two things it does, which are powerful things. Same thing, same kind of attitude that we have with with filmmaking. We have uh, uh, much respect for anybody who, even if they want to venture with their phones to put a story together. But again, it all comes back to the story, you know. Well, for me, one of the the most interesting things about it all is 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 quite like now the tape trading market in the late '80s and '90s. Though underground, there were figureheads like the the lead writer of Deep Red magazine, Chaz Ballin. He even got in trouble with the FBI trading tapes of just genre films, horror movies, things you couldn't really find, and he would bootleg and and put them out. And then this film itself lived a pretty long life as a bootleg through that same market, and then now finally coming out. It's kind of hysterical how how the the market has stayed the same. This movie will sell out and will become two hundred, three hundred dollars on eBay for collectors that unfortunately didn't get the chance or just want it because it's now become an even rarer collector's item. So it's kind of like a double life for this movie, and in mm. both of its life, it's become uh, equally legendary just because of how quick it quick it moves. But no one really 
aside from terror visions and what's available on that disc, has taken time to, to have that story told of the filmmakers. And that's one reason I'm really excited to have you guys on, that I got the chance to talk to Mark a few days ago, and Mark was even just telling me how uh, his career began and how it got to this point. I, and some of the stuff he had to say was inc so fascinating to me. I didn't even know what to say back because it was like, just keep going. This is great. I love listening to you talk. And it hit me. You guys have a, a story and an, a new story on top of that. And I, I love being able to just let you guys talk and tell it that I, I don't have the usual questions I think most people do for an interview because the story you guys have to tell is a bit, I, I don't know what bones to pick because you guys really have a lot to, to tell the world. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, we never really, we're very humble, you know? I mean, anybody, even like yourself, Harry, it's like, you know, we're, we're, if you lose your humility, uh, then that's not a good thing. You know, we just want to make movies and we write and we write and we write. And we're talking about Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, The Hook of Woodland Heights, Days Before Christmas, which I want to get to because that's a, a great little short film that we did. Um, and the story behind making that is amazing. And then Snapper. And then when John Campapiano and Dave, we never realized that it would still be interesting, you know, to people. Um, but when John Campapiano and, and, and David Bigelow approached us about the Snapper documentary, they, they kind of made us think in that direction because we didn't have a story with the Snapper. I mean, we didn't make the movie, <laughs> you know, we made the trailer but we never made the movie and, and for people to just be interested in that and, and the story behind it, but it's a friendship. You know, we think the same, we finish each other's sentences. That's what John always says. They got, they finish each other's sentences. We think the same. And, 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 and there's no forced anything when we're writing the screenplays, we, it just flows out. What about this? What about that? And, and boom, 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 all the way down the line. And, and I know that you read the screenplay for attack of the killer refrigerator too. Uh, you're the only one outside our inner circle that has read that screenplay. And it just, we've been working on it a long time. It was written in the location that we want to shoot in. It's an old Victorian mansion that I used to own and ended up by being one of the most haunted places in, in, in New England, certainly the country go. I did ghost hunters, all the, all those shows. So it, we actually wrote the screenplay there, but you know we're coming up on a long time since we did write the screenplay there, and it does evolve and it does change, and the ending changed. It was a completely different ending before the ending that you read, you know. And we don't want to give away a whole lot, but we're really proud of it. Um, the screenplay and and having a character arc. The fridge gets a character arc that you don't see coming. Um, that uh, we were really, really, you know, adamant about. Um, we love Freddie. We love jason and michael myers and those things but they don't really have a character arc when you come right down the the, the shark and jaws the same should and jaws is our well my favorite horror movie but we wanted to make sure the fridge had a character arc i think we accomplished it <laughs> i think so too we did yeah. marcus i think with this killer fridge too the strength of the fridge is that we do play off one you know fred is our main character and he is an attack of the killer refrigerator fanboy He's actually the president of the club mm -hmm. and he has a collection of memorabilia from the movie, the hammer. He has a stuffed cat. He has the beer cans. He has the towel from Christine. He has the shaver from Mark when he marks shaves in the yeah. movie. He's looking for the ultimate prize and he finds it, the killer refrigerator. Now, during a high school party at their house, which is this gorgeous mansion, it gets plugged in and goes on and turns all the guests into slight meat.
you know, yeah. and then a band of survivors have to battle together in the fridge in its lair of the dark, drippy, wet basement. And uh, they try to save and beat the fridge in the end. And we'll leave it at that right now. And uh, But it's full of craziness. It's full of awesome B-horror gore. It's awesome. You know, we talked about some of the special effects. We have uh, some great artists. Look at some of our videos up on our site um, from some of the team members that we have mm -hmm. coming. But it's a great story. It has love. It has terror. It has fights um it has some really cool special effects that go on the fridge has a personality i think yeah. it's gonna be fun here's the thing people are going to see the site they need to put their back us they have the back us so that at least if we don't achieve our goal you don't get charged but at least it looks like hey we raised a million dollars we were shooting for two because you know production costs money and yes. we're using some of the best production people they in new england that we have i mean a couple of the guys on our crew have actually worked on oscar award-winning films not in horror obviously but these are guys that we've uh, one of them was actually an intern of mine way back in the day he's an ac um or he's probably going to be a camera guy or a, a camera operator on this gig and then um we have so many more you know samantha and john and um brandon brandon oh, i forget about brandon brandon's yeah. a great friend he is taking that refrigerator added teeth added all kinds of great stuff um it's amazing what we've uh accomplished uh we have a couple fridges on the line now um he's making some other fridges he is just a master master effects creator uh he's called polar bear on tiktok and he makes some cool stuff. Um, so we really have a really good team. Plus, I yeah. have I have a colorist and a digital editor. Um, if, if we get the funding, I have a composer who is out in Hollywood. And um, he's a good friend of mine. I don't want to bring up his name until I get the funding. Because um, I just don't want to put him on the hook for anything that I can't bring him through on, you know? Um, and he's because he's that well known and he has a list of credentials that would blow you guys away. And he's already he loves the idea of it. Um, he's done. He's done work for me in the past. So anyway, we got this script and we're thrilled. We can't wait. We need the support of all the fans, though. Go down, make that twenty dollar pledge. You'll get a great movie if you can make more. Awesome. But, you know, we got a lofty goal. You know, we need like 2.5 million to make this, you know, 45 day shoot schedule, uh, hundreds of extras over the course of time, uh, a yeah. cast that is, uh, we want to have some, a couple name people if possible. It's going to be a big cast too. I mean, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but at least speaking on behalf of the film, when I first saw $2 million, I went, well, that's a lot of money. Then I read the script. And it's it's visualized very eloquently where this money is going to. It's not like a frivolous. These guys want two million dollars and they're going to make a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar movie. It's oh, about no. a two million dollar movie, if not more, with some of the the ideas that are mm -hmm. in this. And and one thing, spoiler free, I can say about the script is it starts around page ten. 
you get sunk into an immediate, I'd say like 1985 to 88 horror movie vibe, and it never leaves you. It feels like films like Society, just the big, rich mansion houses, all these upper-class kids that just somehow their parents have mansions. Uh, even the mom is drinking a, a, a cocktail and smoking cigarettes. It's just a beautiful homage to the era that the original film came out while also complimenting other films from the era and just... It's it's just even reading it, there are scenes that I was like, Jesus, that's gross. And I love it. I'm I'm for completely one hundred percent for that. It's a two million dollar movie, if not if not more. If you bought the Blu-ray, if you spent twenty five bucks on the Blu-ray, you can throw twenty five at least to the Kickstarter, and I'll make sure that we will have that uh, at the beginning and the end of the show, how you guys can find this Kickstarter. Yeah, we appreciate that. And but you know what? I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad because, you know, Michael and I are so close to the script. We've been writing it word for word, letter for letter, punctuation mark for punctuation mark for the longest of time. So uh, for you to say that, that's it, it, it makes us feel good. We get different eyes on the script, Harry. And that's exactly the kind of feel we were going for. We even threw in a toga party for good measure uh, because because uh, we had one. We had one. <laughs> You guys up for a toga party? And actually, I was such a big Animal House fan, and Michael was too, that we we had these toga parties. And um it, it, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And Michael mentioned hundreds of extras yes because you got a mansion full of these these kids and um you know special we have effects with, special oh. effects are just through the roof and it's 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 not only just a special effect it's the time to get the special effect to operate correctly on the set during the pressure time you know we've all been there you work with an animal there's always a little pressure factor you work with a kid there's pressure factor imagine working with you know 80 teens or they'll be older than that however many they are they're in the shot and a refrigerator you know that's gonna chew and bite and spit out blood and you know it's gonna take time and i i'll be doing a thing on kickstarter probably about midway where i have the script broken down by scene and i'm going to go through the budget with everybody i want to show you exactly what we're spending on where we're going with it how much do things really cost in the real world because yeah, I can make a movie with my iPhone, but it's going to look like that, much like the killer fridge. I mean, I love the, the the original one. Don't get me wrong. But if we shot that on 16 millimeter and actually had a budget, yeah. we could have we made it really cool. And I still think it's very cool. But the second one, I don't want to make that mistake. I want to get the money that we can. Worst comes to worst, I told Mark, we're going to take my little... My little Panasonic AE1, a 5K camera, 5.6, and we're going to go out and we're going to shoot it gorilla, you know, because it's a story that needs to get told, you know, yeah. but we really want to go after the Kickstarter just to make a statement, you know, we're going after a lofty goal. We really are. And we know it. We knew it from the day one. And people have written to me through Kickstarter saying, you're crazy. And I yeah. said, maybe, but that's okay. Yeah, it's all yeah. about the fight, and I mean, just just what you th you said, I think is is one of the most beautiful statements that could be made. No matter what, there's this movie's going to be made. It might not be made the way that it's set up to be made right now, and I, you know, that that sounds so cursed to say. 
But if it doesn't happen, it's still going to happen. There's no stopping. There's no defeating either of you as artists Mm -mm. and filmmakers. So that even itself with integrity, you know, because I I don't want to say and stand to my audience like, you guys, go give them 20 bucks. But making your own decision listening to what these guys have to say and you know, I'm, I'm not getting anything we did there's no like scheme here no. out of this I've not been cast in the movie or something that this was this this was really enticing to me and especially I, I got to uh, spend some time the other day and talk to Mark I've read the script I've been doing this show for years I wouldn't lie straight up to the audience I really think that there's something behind this, and and what Mike just said especially, no matter what this movie's getting made, if they don't make $2 million, you get your money back. And if they make the $2 million, holy fucking shit, then this movie's getting made (laughs) with $2 million, sound stages, blood all over the place beautiful score name actors so there's it's it's a win win lose lose but there's really no losing in the situation because regardless attack of the killer refrigerator 2 will live it's going to it's there going was, to live yeah it's going to there was a guy on one of the reasons why we went to kickstarter as well harry is uh yeah we obviously <laughs> the, the budget's our goal right that's 100% of our goal and we're focused on that goal by doing the promotion and again thank you to you for for helping us with that uh, by being on uh, Death by DVD. But the other thing is, too, it also gets eyes on a project that might not have gotten eyes on it prior to that. That was a quote from a guy who had a film project up there not too long ago. And um, we always thought that going in. Well, worst case scenario is Blumhouse sees it. You know what I mean? Lionsgate. Somebody sees it. Um, we're from Massachusetts. Screenbox, so. even. Yeah, Screenbox. Content, you imagine? Exactly. Apple. Or even Netflix. other indie artists that are willing to work or, or take time for this. I mean, hey, if you've not had a uh, work in a few years, I know there's a lot of indie actors, indie directors, uh, special effects people. This mm-hmm. is a place that you can put your input in. You might be able to find a new family of filmmakers and get a job out of this. It's, it's more than just... Mm-hmm funding this movie i mean you go through you look at the perks of course you're going to get stuff in return but i you know i've done kickstarter a few times before i i mean i've been a i've not done one for myself i've contributed to kickstarters in in the past and uh like one of them is a a biography about rudy ray moore by mark jason murray a beautiful book that otherwise would never have existed and has brought people a countless amount of joy so a lot of it comes down to the after effects of you look at it and it sounds intimidating. If I could be a producer, if I put this much money down, but your $20 is just as important as anything else because it's a movement and it's grassroots, it's pushing it, it's getting people to understand what's going on. And and even the smallest level people, The Witch for A24 was filmed on about a $3 million budget. So when you're thinking about, oh, $2 million, think of The Witch. That, that was $3 million and that movie was majorly released uh, I think Criterion is putting it out this year on a fancy edition, and it's only like a 10-year-old movie. $2 million for a production these days, that's not that much. No, it's, it's really everything's not up. Much. Low budget. That's the, that's the level where you cannot, I mean, I would love to use a union crew, but, and the expense isn't really that much more, to be honest. $2 million um, is a lot of money in in the Kickstarter world. You know, we're used to seeing things for, 1500 5000 yeah you know 20000 maybe 30 um this one is but we will put every dollar on the screen you know mark and i i have been working in in video production my entire career i mean that's what i do as my full time job 
I direct, I produce, I write. Mark, same thing. Um, we have not stopped. Yes, we don't make as many independent films as we like because we raised families. We I putting kids through college, that whole bit. But we have the skills and the production ability. I, I have two beautiful edit suites um, to make the movie, like I said, no matter what. If we can have the full crew with the beautiful lighting and the great actors and the spe crazy special effects, we will literally put every dollar on the screen. It's going to be one of those things. And it will get finished. We also have ways to... We have other funding sources that we're going to go after if we if we need to get more. But I think within my budgeting, which, like I said, I'm going to go over one one night on Zoom, which will be free um, to let people know what what did it take? You know, how did I become across for a 45 day thing? You know, this is all stuff an AD would do. But being that Mark and I are just independents, we have to pretty much do everything. I mean, Mark yeah. and I created this entire Kickstarter campaign with a 45-day social schedule that really is only going to be 35 days. So we have content. As you've seen, we've had videos. We have everything's done. We don't have to do it. We're, you know, we're right now we're we're responding to different parts of the Kickstarter. Um, by developing content that people are sort of requesting um, in many ways, you know, through yep. emails and through words. So just making, you know, and, and you're right. I wouldn't lie to your audience either. We're not here to, to take the money and run because we certainly don't want to do that. And nor would we even be, uh, you know, Think about our games it. would be mud and we would not want that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're older. You know what I mean? We we're, have... we're just having fun. And, yeah. and this is going to be a project that we really, really are going to put our heart and souls into work. We've worked tirelessly already. I mean, you wouldn't believe the amount of hours just to put together a Kickstarter campaign. Unbelievable. I, I was shocked, you know, um, but hundreds of hours literally mm -hmm. to put everything together. I think we did three shoot days and, um, we just recorded another one with the DP yesterday that I'm going to put together to make a nice little um, informational part about the look of the film and, and the feel of the film. Um, so we are serious about it and we will definitely not take anybody's money and put it to waste because we are serious filmmakers and we're doing things still in a guerrilla format, you know, so we're, we're watching every, every dollar in the budget and where it can go. So um, it's tough. It's tough to make a movie nowadays. You know, it really is. Um, I think that the killer fridge days, you know, when Mark and I and our friends made it, yeah, they're still happening, but um, this movie is not that. No, it's not. It's so much. But you know what, Harry? That's what we love about it. And I always say this. Michael's probably already <laughs> sick and tired of me saying this. But um, it's the collaborative effort. I think out of all the mediums, um, it, it takes more people to put uh, a, a film together, obviously. I mean, each shot requires you know, <laughs> how many different elements in each shot, how many different crew. You know, it's just there's so many people that are involved. But we love that challenge, you know. We love that, and um, uh, it's a great environment for us, and we we thrive in that environment, um, and and we have a lot of respect for for for, for that environment. Well, think about the Hook of Woodland Heights, Marcus. When we shot the Hook of Woodland Heights, um, we had a volunteer crew. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I found was the problem was every day you didn't know who was going to be there. There. Yes, we had a few regulars that showed up every time, but there was also people that would show up for the first time. And that made it so much more difficult because one, they don't know the equipment. Two, they're just gaining into the process that we've been working right mm-hmm. along. And then it would change the next day. And that made it very difficult. And I swore back then that if we did a longer shoot, that the crew would be the same. Mm-hmm. And that only comes with money yep. because people need to get paid. And um, we can only sell so much off of the movie. Um, and even then, that's not really an incentive because that doesn't pay Capital One. Right. Um, but it would once it's released. But still, we're looking to, um, you know, do it right but if it doesn't it's going to be made and um we're going to have a good time making it because that's all it's about you know exactly well no matter what anyone says or tries to tell you really the budget is is the biggest feat and hurdle you have to get through when you're producing a film and i i come from the no budget incredibly low budget uh the the last project i worked on i think was thirty thousand dollars and and that film still you know it got a release it's got a disc release but pushing and having that no budget and having to pull together just like a group of people i mean there was we we shot for four days in one house and no one left that there was no point like we got to stay together and do this we'll all get it shot but having that idea of a different person walking in every day you'd have to stone teach them what they're doing go over the script go over these points when you can build that family and you can have it set and it's unfortunate it has to be set through equity but most of the time a good crew if you can pay them and feed them they're going to be there and it's the biggest necessity is having that money to make sure that they're safe they're happy and everything's working out and i don't think a lot of people realize that they you know well where's my money going where's it going on screen it goes to the artists that are crafting this experience for you and i i truthfully i mean reading the script there were a few times where i was like you know i i i can see major studio releases for something like this i mean you've got this massive resurgence on television with child's play and uh, even movies like megan is they're just booming you had the Winnie, Winnie the Pooh public domain horror film that right. has recently gone through American horror. I don't know if it hit North. Or it's, I think it's just North America. I don't think European yet. But it's well made $10 million at this point. And it's a Winnie the Pooh horror movie that horror is returning to some of the heights with major studios and even indie like that itself as it had in the 80s. And it's not... I, I just don't think it's asking too much. It's even, especially once I read the script, it's like two million is reasonable. I could see this going for like a $10 million soundstage, massive, big effect sort of deal that it, it you you could really stretch it. It's And it's it's a little humbling being able, not it's a little, it's way beyond humbling being able to read the script and experience some of this stuff and visualize it. And that's, that's a, a, you know, I thought really hard, what do I want to say on this episode? What do I want to make my directive and it's it's really in belief like i really believe in you guys it's not just selling a product and going door to door here it's it's getting people to understand what it takes to make this film and the the blood sweat and tears everybody knows yeah it's so hard but really it is hard getting this organized getting these people together all on one time period and one scale Mm -hmm. takes so much effort and like that's half the budget right there that's ensuring everyone and it's it's not an unbelievable project, I, and it's it's something also Mike pointed out. Even if you, you know, I've, I've brought this up, you guys don't make it. You're still going to 
push for it, but that is something really great with Kickstarter. If you guys don't hit the $2 million and you out there in Radio Land put 2K down, you still get your 2K back. You know, don't worry. It's not disappearing. You can go put a down payment on the Acura or something or buy some weed. You're fine. <laughs> right. You know, don't worry. No one's stealing your money. And it was a hard decision with me, though, of like, well, I've never done a sales thing. I don't I don't know exactly what I want to do. And it, it really was reading the script. And I think with the Kickstarter, these pieces that are going to start coming out where you can as an audience member, get familiarized with the script and see how the story is coming together, I think, like me, that will help you kind of start believing in in what's being made here. But it's a genuine horror picture. I think that's the most enticing thing. And it's, I mean, we're a horror show. Our audience loves 80s horror in particular. But this really is kind of the definitive movement. It's not a bunch of 20-year-olds that really like John Carpenter movies making this. You guys were around when all these horror films were at their peak. You lived mm-hmm. through it. You're you're much more familiar. You're not making a knockoff movie. I mean, there'll be moments of homage, but this is a genuine picture made from people that were there. Yeah, we uh boy, we just appreciate the longevity, really. I mean, you know, this is what we want to do. This is our dream and you know, we're never too old or you never you never get too old to follow your dream and this is what we want this is uh this is storytelling in this genre at, 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 and really uh in a monster that we created uh, <laughs> accidentally whatever back in the day uh but it it's almost like destiny because if that refrigerator never kicked on like it did sitting around that table in our college apartment harry you know it's just fate I think. And, and, and we've carried it now and we're, we're really truly uh, just, we love what we do. We love, I did 30 years in radio and um, I just, you know, I, it was an easy decision to leave in 2018 when I did, because I really just wanted to concentrate on just media house and what we've got going on. You know, um, we're not going to be around forever, but while we're here, we're going to pump out some great, uh, great horror movie moments. Yeah, no, that that script is great. I can't wait for the people to see it. And, you know, you talk about, yeah, you got a couple grand and if we don't make it, you don't get you don't have to pay. But if we do get the the funding, boy, you're going to have a heck of a great time at the premiere and after party that we're going to have because we have some huge plans for that. And we can't wait. I mean, one of the things that we always think about is the end result. You know, that I could see the film already cut. I can hear the music. I can. I could feel the sequel uh, or the third one already, you know, yeah, we have a, we have a third one outlined, Harry, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> just to let you know. So, but we got to get the second one first, but the third one is unbelievable already. Um, but putting that cash down, like you said, I, I do it all the time. I fund many Kickstarters. One just got funded, which I'm all thrilled about. Um, 20 bucks. That's all, you know, it's a movie ticket, a candy and a soda, if you're Mm -hmm. lucky. Yeah, I really feel if you bought the Blu-ray, if you pay 25 or whatever it is, I I have it right in front of me. I can give give an honest thing to the audience here, maybe. No, I just have Terror Visions open because I'm an idiot. (laughs) Oh, no, it's $24.99. I was correct. $24.99. Actually less. Yeah, that's that's not a great deal of money. If you bought the Blu-ray, I think you could easily throw down for this. And, uh, you know, I don't want to come off... Like like a 90s, uh, you know, hey, give 25 cents a day to help the starving child thing. But it, it's beyond enticing. And I, I said this toward the beginning of the show, but I'll make it clear with the audience. Like, there's no under-the-table cut. There's nothing going on here that, you know, Mark sent me some information about this film. 
And it, it just really reminded me of, of my time in my early 20s, and I completely had forgotten Attack of the Killer Refrigerator. Holy shit. I, I, I remember this movie. Then I sit down, I get to relive it, and, and I just could never in a million years guess, uh, come up with whatever was going to be the sequel to this movie. How could you make a, a Killer Refrigerator interesting while still maintaining some integrity with the audience? And you guys really did it, though. And that's just the script alone. It it really made sense. And it, there was a couple of times where I was even getting mad at myself of like, you're a professional film judge. You you This is a killer fridge movie, man. You're enjoying this way too much. But it really, like, it, it's, it's an enjoyable movie. The characters are realistic. And what just doesn't shake for me is, is the vibe, the feeling, being able to have a movie in the 2020s that feels... And it can be so related to the classics of the 1980s that most people, most horror fans are 80s horror fans. They want their John Carpenter. They want those uh, prom slasher movies. And this is finally returning to that, but it's it's a monster movie. It's a love story. It's a slasher. And the slasher is the seventh greatest inanimate object in a film of all time, the killer refrigerator. And it's, yeah. I mean, I think most people want to know and uh, well, that sounds dumb. Most people, I think, one thing a lot of people would want to know is: Are these related films, part one and part two? And that that is, I think, the coolest thing is yes. This it's not just a fifteen minute movie anymore. It's a whole precursor, and it's set up something beautiful for the sequel. Yeah, we appreciate that. And again, you you hit it right on the head. And this is exactly your points, Harry. Today have been exactly the kind of points that we've been trying to. Uh, to, to bring on those pages of the screenplay, you know, does this translate? Is this good? Is this good enough? Does this work? And what you've told us today is, 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 is wonderful news <laughs> to both Michael's ears and my ears, but we wanted to make sure we stayed true to the original. And what we did was it was a college apartment. Michael and I, as part of the cast, a couple other people get killed in it. Um, and we wanted to take that and just expand it into uh, what we have now, which is okay, let's take that now, like move it into a mansion with hundreds of guests, you know, that are going to be slaughtered in this. You know, hopefully, we'll have the highest kill count, kill count in uh, any horror movie in history. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, we should have strive for that. You know, yeah, we should. We may. We may. We may. We may. By the time it's all said and done, but um, we did stay true to it, and the uh, we didn't want to forget the first one and this one either. And then that's why the character of Fred was the president of the attack of the killer refrigerator fan club. And he has his own screening room in the mansion. And that's the only movie he ever plays, which drives his older sister nuts. And when he gets <laughs> the real refrigerator, she goes way batty beyond that. So I don't want to give much away from there, but um, yeah, it's, it's fun. Uh, we, it's really just a fun what are we at 106 pages now uh 90 minute movie you know uh it's just fun it's fun it's a date night movie there was a reason why people went to see the blob at the drive-ins back in those days or the godzilla movies or tuned into creature double feature uh that showed godzilla movies on saturday mornings you know um it, it's it's fun it's 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 a different type of experience when a refrigerator does it but knowing that is why we went to that big character arc on how the refrigerator uh, transforms in with a, of itself. So um, that was really important. And because of that, I think, is where you're getting the effective. It's just something you've never seen before, really. 
one thing, Harry, I'll just add on. The script was actually 138 pages mm -hmm. long originally. Oh, yeah. And we had so much packed into it. It was a $15 million movie. <laughs> and I gave it to a friend of mine who is a extremely accomplished producer, Andrea Ajamian. She does real movies with big budgets. Mm -hmm. And I discussed with her. And when I told her the amount of money that I needed for the movie, she told me, you're crazy. Nobody makes a $15 horror movie, especially about a killer refrigerator. And um, she put some sense in my head. You know, we rethought everything. We had scenes in there that would cost $2 million just to make, just for one scene yeah. uh, because of what was going on. So Mark and I literally took a, I think it was like Mark, it was 138 pages and we whittled it down to 106 pages where it sits today. Right. And we cut out some really cool stuff, but it was money. It's all we cut out. Money. It, it, it yeah. was. that. If there's one issue that Michael and I have when we write screenplays, it's that we have too many ideas. You know, some people get writer's block. We have to kind of filter. Okay, so we'll start at 130. We start whittling it down. Um, the irony, though, here's a little fun fact. The irony, uh, as far as Andrea, who Michael had just mentioned, is that when we shot the hook of Woodland Heights, that was completely gorilla. So we pulled up to a neighborhood, no permits, no nothing. We rolled out the dolly track, rolled out the cameras, rolled out Bob Allen in the hook and had him run through this neighborhood. There was a group of girls that were playing when we rolled in. And when we said we were making a movie, they wanted to be in it. And one of those girls, as a probably 10 or 12 years old, was Andrea. <laughs> That's right. And she accrued... Uh says that that's what got her interested Into in film. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great little story. And she's a wonderful person. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, I could easily see once attack of the killer refrigerator is, is a released and, and like out movie. This is something that Joe Bob Briggs would play on the last drive in. I think this has a potential for not just mainstream horror fans, but the niche fans, the, the old cats that still are collecting VHS tapes that this is, is a, a breath of fresh air that combines all of those qualities together. You still have your midnight underground movie, but what you guys are shooting for is is more of a mainstream project. And it, it sounds silly to people, but I mean, you gotta even look at Rob Zombie, A House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects. Those are very, very violent films that got released mainstream studio through Lionsgate. They were out in, uh, I don't wanna say thousands, but several hundred theaters in the United States. And a Three from Hell got a limited theatrical run. Uh, Kevin Smith is shooting on a few million dollar budgets with with just hand cameras now. He's not even using cinematic stuff, and his films are being released through the Fathom releasing two, three days. It's not unbelievable in the least bit. And and looking at what has already been released in 2023, uh, uh, the Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and other indie films like that, even Megan. Megan is a, I, not to even talk bad about the movie, but it's another killer doll movie. It's kind of a Chucky knockoff sort of vibe, but it made a great deal of money. It's already been greenlit for a sequel. If you can be a afraid of your Alexa coming and attacking you and this killer doll and stuff like that, a refrigerator shouldn't be that far-fetched. And the fact that it's not like a new General Electric see-through, like, synced fridge, like, this is the 1948 fridge from the first film. You're you're running on the old evil technology, so you even have that Christine sort of vibe with John mm -hmm. Carpenter that it's, it's, it's better that way. It's way cooler than doing a new fridge. You had to use the classic. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, th- although one of the new fridges does make a, a cameo, we'll put it that way. And that's all I'll say about that. Say, so, But we had to go with the first one. It's a thank, you know, and you just brought up Christine. Um, definitely. There was another um, movie that had come out uh, during that time period uh, with um, machines, Maximum Overdrive with Emilio Estevez. That's where Who Made Who from ACDC came from. You know what I mean? So um, we love that stuff because you're thinking outside the box, really. Um, but we never saw the Watch Mojo thing coming. I mean, you know, if you watch the countdown, it's not at the museum, us and then I can't remember what comes after us. But um, it's like, what? <laughs> what, what? Yeah, you know, what? 25 million. 25 bucks, 10 million, you know, 25 bucks. And you know what? People think we're kidding about that, Harry. We are not. That 25 bucks was spent on smoke bombs that Michael picked up in Virginia, ragu spaghetti sauce, um, caro syrup, red food coloring, and Ziploc bags. You know, um, that's what we spent the 25 on. And Tom Savini did use Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, the first one, um, as a teaching tool when he was teaching his special effects classes, showing you that you don't need a lot of money to create halfway decent effects. The 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 when Mark gets impaled, that's one of my favorite shots. Yeah, that's a good one. By the door handle in the original refrigerator. That's I, love I think it. a lot of what when it comes down to filmmaking is heart and having people that uh, that are your leaders, your directors and producers having heart and soul and pushing you for the better that uh and I've worked on a film that I didn't really get any any ideas of what I was supposed to do. I didn't get any direction and then I've worked on a film where I was given space to create something and to have fun and I got to have a healthy great experience with filmmaking and when you're able to do something like that, when you're able to have the budget to do something like that, I, I you can only grow. You can only have the room to make a, a pretty fine piece of art. And most people don't consider horror films art. And I think that's that's a very wrong thought, that no matter what agree. is being created, it's still, at any capacity, a piece of art. It doesn't matter if it's blood or guts or nudity. There is still art to be found in, in absolutely everything and anything. And I believe in the art of Attack of the Killer Refrigerator, too. And it's it's just it's an exciting thing, because especially at this point, it's like the ground floor being able to continue. I mean, I would love to have you guys back on the show and to talk more when uh, there's more progression and to let the audience know this. We're moving into stage two or stage three and keep people up to date with this, because this is a really, really cool project that you can be a part of. You can be a physical part of of this becoming a reality, and you can also watch it and the growth, and it's like a butterfly. One day this movie is going to take off and be completely different than what we're even sitting and talking about now, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, we hope to, we hope to achieve the goal. You know, if we can achieve the goal, which, again, it's very lofty, but we totally believe in the community that to stand behind it, um, we have a friend of ours, Scott, who designed, uh, Mark, I don't know if I, I sent you, did I, did you see the latest design? Little keychain refrigerators with teeth. It's amazing. So if we can achieve that goal. I want to try to make one for everybody and boom, there's a nice little bonus. Uh, imagine a little cool little keychain fridge uh, to put on your, your keys or, and then I'd like to get a big McFarlane one at some point. That would be really cool.
I hope that we've been able to at least uh, excite people out there and get them interested in this. It's completely understandable if you don't have uh, the time or money to move forward with the Kickstarter, but if you'd like to support, you could still share. You could share it with your friends. If you're listening to this episode, you've taken the time as a Death by DVD fan, so you know, tell your mom or your aunt or let your cousin know. Share it on Facebook. The, the, the grassroots idea of it is just letting people know what's going on. You don't, and it's uh, Mike brought this up beautifully, you just don't know who's going to see it, whose attention is going to be brought toward the project, and it's a genuinely fun project. It's not often that you can sit and, and read things. I mentioned earlier I'm a film judge. I watched uh, I, several hundred films in about a two-month period for a film festival this year, and more often than not, you're, you're not getting, even for million-dollar budgets, you're not getting the full potential of what could be on screen. And in this case, being able to read what the potential is, outline it for the audience, I, I feel that it's a really safe bet that you're not being cheated, you're not being lied to, you really have the potential of working on a project with whatever your $25 to $25,000, whatever you're doing is giving this life. Whatever you're able to do, whether it be sharing and telling people, it's still deeply appreciated. I mean, for me, you're listening to my show, and then you've got these guys that are out here honestly just trying to get people to to look at it. You don't have to even give them money. Just look at it and let give feedback. Uh, share it. Uh, let people know this is this is a thing. Attack of the Killer Refrigerator 2 exists and it's real. It might sound campy to you, but it really, it is. It's a campy movie, but it's beyond that. It's got some real genuine feeling to it. Yeah, and uh, you can see your, our pitch deck is up, um, Harry. If they, You can go to MediaHouseFilms.com, so that's MediaHouseFilms, with an S, dot com. Um, right there, we've got the whole pitch deck laid out. If you go up to the Kickstarter page, you'll see that very much the same. We have videos up there. We're hitting social every day with videos. Um, we're definitely going to be, uh, you know, in contact with you. Uh, uh, and, and again, appreciate your time. This is uh, huge. And what you just said is what our mantra is, just share it. Just share it. That's all, you know, just keep sharing with your friends. Just keep it going and going and going. Um, and that's a very important part of all of this because it goes back to the um, the, the faithful, the horror faithful, the loyalty. Uh, I, I don't think there's another genre of film that has the loyalty that the horror community gives. Yeah, I really agree. And if you're looking this up on Kickstarter, it's Killer Fridge numeral two, all one word, Killer Fridge two. So you can just go to kickstarter.com and you can look it up or you can do kickstarter.com slash projects slash Killer Fridge two and it'll bring everything up for you. Of course, we on social media, Death by DVD, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We will be sharing and posting links to this Kickstarter so you can find out all about it for yourself. And then, of course, you've been listening to this episode, so you've probably made up your mind, and I hope it's for the support of Attack of the Killer Refrigerator 2, because I've, I've enjoyed just hearing the story, hearing you guys talk about the first movie and, and where you came from and growing up and making this together, and then years later the commitment to following through, I want to see it. I, I hope everyone out there in Radioland wants to see it too. That was a great ending. You you are amazing. I agree, Harry. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of this killer episode. I'd like to address the audience one final time before we get out of here, but 
I want to make it very clear this isn't a fluff piece. I have no incentive. I'm not getting paid. I genuinely, I genuinely believe in Mike and Mark. I believe in them as artists, filmmakers, and I believe in them as two guys running a business. I'm excited for this project, and I will be backing this project. And I hope, if anything, you took something from this episode. These guys made a 20-minute movie for 20 bucks over 20 years ago, and the art lives on. They're bringing a new life to that art. But my point is, you can do this too. Anyone out there. It's inspiring, it's passionate, it's really beautiful. The worst thing you can do is give up on dreams. And Mark Vaux and Michael Savino are two guys who have never given up on their dreams. And I believe in them. But that's it. That's the end of the episode. I will be posting the Kickstarter link on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's all Death by DVD. You can also head over to www.deathbydvd.com and subscribe to our newsletter where I will be sending out updates on Death by DVD, of course, and the Kickstarter for Attack of the Killer Refrigerator 2. I hope to see some likes and shares. It really is going to help them. You can help these guys out a little. Get the word out. If you got a buck to spare, tell them Death by DVD sent you so they know we tried. But hey, you can just share it. Sharing's caring. But the important thing is you're getting the word out and you're helping this independent production come to life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a Death by DVD fan. I appreciate you. The ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. Until next time, pleasant tomorrows. DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. Death by DVD is broadcast from on top of the Blue Crystal Sunshine Mountain in any town USA with transmitters on top of the Empire State Building. <laughs>